Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Cyber and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. And we hope that you enjoy today's episode. Well, hey, friends, I am so excited today because I'm sitting in a backyard near the Miami airport. You may hear planes coming over while we're sitting here. And I'm here with my friend Mikkel Walcott and uh, with a group of friends from Antioch, D.C. We've been doing outreach all week in Miami. It's been Miami. Great. It's yeah. been awesome. Yeah. I mean, God's moving in Miami. That's for another day. Yeah. But, uh, but what I am excited about today for all of us is to hear Mikkel's story, uh, how... Um, Jesus captured his heart, what God did in and through him. And just by the way, that's what the Passion Purpose Podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. Hey, we want to connect with people that have fallen in love with Jesus mm-hmm. and have made their life purposeful around Jesus and his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been such a delight the last few years to get to know each other yes. and so excited to hear from you. So, Mikkel, talk to us, man. Just give us a little of your background, where you're from, and then tell us a little bit of your story of finding Jesus. Yeah, so basic background, Um, both my parents are Jamaican. They kind of classic American dream story, immigrated here, paid their way through college, barely sent money back home, worked. (laughs) You know, my mom was uh, in grad school full-time, working at Verizon as a manager full-time, and raising two kids. So that was their their story, hard work. Right, all you guys listening, sitting around right now, there's something that you can do. (laughs) (laughs) And I... They grew up in Jamaica where everyone was Christian or at least church by default. And they were kind of forced to go to church and so they didn't um, want to force us in the same way. They wanted us to be able to kind of figure out faith and religion and spirituality and beliefs for ourselves. And so we didn't go to church growing up. Um, we didn't talk about God all that much. There was a general posture of gratitude, whether for food or just for sure. life and the good gifts and how um, he had, how he had brought them out of um, either situations of poverty or just lack of opportunity. and. Um, but then, but not much deep spiritual conversation right. at all. And, um, so I kind of, I think I always had a God curiosity. I remember at some point I got access to some children's Bible and I would read it all the time. And I, I enjoyed the stories of God, but again, I didn't just have much language or experience yeah. myself um, <clears throat> until my parents separated in 2011. And uh, my mom and I started going to, to um, a black Baptist church, great gospel preaching church. Um, not lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit, but they, they preach the gospel every week. And um, at that point, I identified with God in a different kind of way. I wouldn't say that I considered Jesus King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the only way to heaven, but I liked Jesus. I thought he was cool. He's a great guy. And the teachings were inspirational. It felt like great Sunday morning inspiration. And and so there was that piece of it, gen- genuine encouragement, sincere, right. um, in feeling, sincerely feeling invigorated. But uh, there was also the piece of wanting to just kind of complete the package. I was always kind of successful growing up, um, perfect grades, involved in lots of activities, teacher, favorite student, and I felt that having some kind of sort of moral home base or, or some place to draw moral inspiration yeah. from felt sort of like it would be classic. I, I'm a good guy. Yeah, I'm exactly. a good guy. I do good things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and God would be good to have God to be part of yeah. that somehow. <laughs> um, so anyway. Junior, senior year, I started having a um, sort of rebellious phase uh, that included sneaking out, taking the car, drinking, smoking, etc. 
And there was this pride and anger in me that I hadn't realized previously because every time my parents tried to discipline me, um, I would lash out and it would get worse. And uh, underneath all of that, there was um, a really hidden struggle that my parents never knew about until years after I was walking with God. From the time that I was maybe probably uh, 10 years old, um, I started experiencing same-sex attraction and then spiraled into um, sensual imagery online and then pornography and then severe addiction to the point that, man, I remember there were long periods where I couldn't go a single day without watching it. And just even in places where it's like, this is like public places, privately on my phone, quietly laying it. So I, I've met very few people that have struggled with addiction. And many guys have had this in their history, but I haven't met many people that had the deep level of addiction that I experienced, which <clears throat> was really difficult for me because my parents are loving and they're great, but they, they came from Jamaica and that's the culture around these things there um, is intense. And so I always grew up, grew up hearing things like, you know, nothing worse that could ever happen to us than, than this being a part of our family or just the way that they would react to people in public. <clears throat> I really internalized that and that broke my relationship with my dad and he didn't know why, but I just kind of stopped talking to him. And so here I am, high school, <laughs> successful, perfect grades, president of everything, um, trying to be socially successful in a way, popular, meet all these people having this hidden struggle, dealing with lots of self-hatred that no one knew about, covering it up with more and more successes and accolades, and then now breaking family with all of the, uh, breaking family bonds with all of my pride and arrogance and, and, and things like that. Friend invites me to this conference. I'd been going to this church that I mentioned, and so I figured why not. Um, I'm in Maryland. I grew up in Maryland. Um, forgot that part. Grew up in Maryland. The conference is actually down in North Carolina. Okay. And little did I know, it's an African Pentecostal conference. <laughs> so there you go. They really slammed Whatever me. ails <laughs> you, they'll take care of you there. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had a bus pastor because the bus ride from Maryland to North Carolina was part of the of the worship experience. Fire and up so, the team. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay. And so there was acapella worship with clapping and stomping wow. for hours on end. And even on the bus ride down, I was experiencing the presence of God, something I never felt before. I really didn't know what to do with that. And then at the conference, they're preaching the gospel as we need Jesus, not just to save us, um, not just for forgiveness, mm. but for transformation, that he can yeah. really make us holy, he can change us from the inside out. And that mm. deep down really resonated with me because I knew that there was something off, there was something not right related to sexuality, kind of the flashpoint of realizing my own arrogance, but my own also inability to humble myself. And so that was resonating. I was experiencing the presence of God, mm. but I'm still kind of just just walking carefully with trepidation and uncertain how I feel about these people. Um, and then they're casting out demons pretty dramatically. Mm -hmm. People are claiming to be physically healed and mm -hmm. people are having sort of these ecstatic prophetic experiences. And mm. at that point, I'm like, no way. This is, it's, um, I was in AP psychology, so I'm like, you know, this is placebo effect. Sure. This is, um, you know, a, a, the power of suggestion, the, mm -hmm. uh, the role playing because of the authority figure. Yeah, sure. yeah all the reasons yeah. and explanations. And I was telling my friend, at the end of the last night, you know, these are all the reasons that this isn't valid and that this can be explained with psychology and et cetera. And in the middle of me telling him that for maybe about an hour, uh, this man that I never met before, didn't have any mutual friends, it's a thousand person conference, so he has no connection to me. He walks into the room where we are. He says, oh, I'm glad I found you. I wanted to 
talk to you, I felt like the Lord spoke to me about you. I felt like I was supposed to come here. And he says that he sees that you're really smart. He sees that you're really wise. He sees that you've been unusually successful for someone of your age, so on and so forth. At this point, I'd gotten into Princeton where I did end up attending. And so he was just calling things out <laughs> about me. And I kind of wow. blacked out. I think he said a lot more things, but that's just what I can remember before I was t just so shell-shocked that I, I couldn't really concentrate. And at the end of it all, he says, and I believe the Lord is saying, you need to stop doubting him because he wants to use you and he, wow. wants, to be a part of, he wants you to be a part of his, of his family. And I just walked away. I, didn't even, I don't even think I reacted. I just walked away. And I didn't sleep that night and I wrestled with it. And I wouldn't have known to say some prayer or anything because I, I guess I just haven't been taught that or sure. identified with God or church. And so sure. I, I don't know. But that, I point to that moment as the first time that I actually trusted Jesus above my own understanding. Bus ride home. The bus pastor says, everyone who's received the Lord is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they're laying hands on people, fire, tongues, different thing. I mean, I'm like four hours saved. <laughs> so that's a major stretch. Um, but uh, the bus pastor himself walks up to me, puts his hand on my stomach, and the fire of God fills me from head to toe. Wow. And I just, tongues just comes out. And I don't know what happened to me. Wow. I was just overwhelmed and surprised. And I got home and I was wrestling through, like, what is all of this? And how do I how do I deal with all of this and is it real or was that a cult you know these were the real sure, questions in my head of course and, um, I'm I'm sitting in my laundry room alone in the farthest part of the house from my mother's room at like 3 a.m. just pondering these things and the fire of God fills me again from head to toe and I start speaking in tongues again and I was like that's it Jesus is king <laughs> he's worthy of my life and so I threw out the bowl out smoke from, I threw out my alcohol bottles, I apologized to my parents, I found the humility to do that, which I hadn't been able to find previously. I, um, I started reading the Bible, um, I, there had this little discipleship group, we read the New Testament in three months, call about it, pray about it. Um, wow. They didn't, on Saturday, they forced everyone to fast, they just didn't give us lunch. African <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, that's you know? a great idea. <laughs> All right. Uh, I realized I experienced God during that time, so I was just like, I'll just do this every day. So I didn't eat lunch for, I mean, it must have been about six weeks because I was just re reading the Bible during lunchtime. I just, God just really got a hold of me and I loved wow. him. And um, then I went off to college, to Princeton, where I found this amazing worshiping community. Um, while I'm growing in this experience of God, and I didn't care about the partying anymore, I didn't care about drinking, I didn't care about being popular, I just loved God. At the same time, I was still dealing with the addiction. And that killed me. I just the sexual addiction, the sexual addiction, right. pornography, yeah, etc. Yeah. Right. And um, that killed me on the inside because I part of my coming to Jesus was well, I thought He transforms us on the inside. Right. But so I didn't really know what to do or where to go. I didn't know what to talk about it with. I felt mm. lots of shame. And anyway, that continued on for two years. And I mean, there was ups and downs. Sure. Of course, you know, fighting with discipline, but right. then falling, stumbling for about from starting college or from the summer before college until sophomore fall. And then one day, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you know, I'm actually able to completely deliver you if, if that's something that you want. And I was like, that's, that's, that's not what I've heard, you know, culturally sure, or whatever. Sure. And um, he points me to Galatians 5 where it says, those who are in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its mm -hmm. desires. And I was like, well, it says it right here that, you know, desire, evil desires themselves can be crucified. Right. And so, but I had no context for this. I knew nobody that struggled with this. I knew right. nothing. Of, and no one really knew. I, I told a couple of friends, like one off, sure. like, by the way, this is something in my past, but sure. I never mentioned present struggles. I really mm -hmm. let them into mm -hmm. it because it was shameful yeah. and embarrassing. And sure. And so, um, I, I did a fast and at the end of the fast, I had this dream 
where I was being delivered essentially, and I didn't mm. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't have a context sure. for it. Um, so I just thought I really didn't know how I would explain that. I just said I don't know. Something powerful happened, and some things left me, and then God came, and I witnessed deliverance, mm. but I didn't connect it with something that I would need. If, sure, if that makes sense. And so, sure. um, at the same time, I had these really great um, guy friends, and I didn't really have guy friends growing up because of who knows sure. insecurity or <laughs> whatever sure. other reasons and a lack of connection to father and brother, different reasons. And um, that was a really difficult experience for me because I didn't realize that there was this massive lack for male companionship and affection sure. and connection. And so whenever there's a massive lack, there's yep. there's there's a sensitivity. And so sure. I realized that, um, you know, whenever I felt acceptance, my self-esteem felt like it soared way too much, more than I was comfortable with. And whenever I felt rejection, I was way more impacted than I wanted to be. And so sure. I was like, I just need to like, we'll be friends, but I just can't go deep in the way that, right. you know, Christian fellowship often goes. And right. The Lord basically told me, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and I told Jesus no for the first time that I could remember ever, like flat out no, like I will disobey you in this front. You know, there's a right. difference between sure. falling or stumbling or not, sure. not walking with God fully or whatever it is. But this time I just told God no, like rebellious no. <laughs> it's too right. difficult, so much pain, you know. And um, he encountered me shortly after. He he showed me this revelation of the cross and how much Jesus loves me and how mm. the cross is the revelation of how God consistently feels about us, not how he felt about us in a moment. Mm. And I collapse on the ground and I'm weeping for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, all right, fine, you have God, you have my yes. And so through their friendship, I experienced, I began to experience so much inner healing and so much feeling of, of lack through God. And I always thought, well, God, why don't you just do it in the prayer room with me and you? Sure. This is, yeah. too tender and too vulnerable and, right. and they don't have this struggle they don't understand and I don't want them to misunderstand like I, yeah, I'm not sure. attracted to them I hope they don't think that you know sure. it's just of course. wrestling and I could go out and on all the wrestles and thoughts and, yeah. um, but God was consistent and clear you have to build friendship with them you have to be open with them you have to confess right. every sin every struggle every time and um, at the end of that process after many times of inner healing I experienced this major deliverance sophomore spring and um, it was lots of things powerful experience at the end of it though that's the most beautiful part um, my friend asked Holy Spirit is there anything else you want to say to Macau mm -hmm. and I heard almost and I always get emotional talking about it I heard almost like an audible voice of God saying just I'm your real father and mm -hmm. and when he said that I collapsed to the ground and I just like mm -hmm. it was like years of pain just came out in a moment Wow. and um, it was beautiful it was powerful and then um, you know after that I it was the first time that I was like wow, evil desire itself feels crucified. It doesn't have power over me. Like the sin doesn't have dominion over me. It doesn't right. mean that I've never experienced temptation. Sure, it doesn't mean course. that I've never like had a stumble since yeah, then yeah, or sure. a struggle. But I feel, I since then, I felt so empowered over it. Wow. So victorious. So like this does not have to be a part right. of my life or even how I think about myself in any yeah. way because of either how scarce it is or because of just how easy it is to... to that's wow. not me, you know, and that's not my experience. That's not who I am. And that's not um, what I'm looking for. And so yeah, can, can I'll I, pause there. Yeah, let me, let me break in there. I mean, that, that is, that is, uh, I mean, there, there's so much powerful uh, truth in what you're, what you're sharing, right? And those encounters with God, that attachment with God, he was transferring kind of your attachment to the world to give you affection, affirmation through what you did to encountering him personally, then helping you out of the bondage and brokenness. I remember I, I remember asking God for wisdom and how to talk to my own kids about sexuality when they were in junior high or 10, 11, and 12. And, uh, okay, Lord, how do I explain 
that it struggles normal, but that you can be victorious, but don't be condemned if you fail, and you know, kind of all those cycles. And I remember telling um, one of my sons uh, this, uh, I said, hey, you might find yourself tempted and you might find yourself failing uh, in sexual temptation or even fail, you know, practically, but I want you to know you don't have to. You don't have to fail. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go that direction. Whenever the enemy or your own flesh or somebody else, you have power to be victorious over Mm -hmm. sexual brokenness, whether it's pornography or some kind of gratification or some relationship, you don't have to go there. Mm -hmm. If something happens and you find yourself failing, I want you to know there's grace there, there's forgiveness there, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to go there. And somehow that was the wisdom of God, right? That God is not condemning us for being a human and for human failures. That's why Jesus died, because we are humans and we fail. Yeah. However, he also gives us power not to fail mm-hmm. or not to live in the bondages yeah. that the world lives in. And I, I love that balance. And I, and I love that God did that personally with you and continues to do that with you. Yeah. So um, we, we're going to... Um, uh, so for today... I want you to, so you're at Princeton, you're now meeting with God, you got a strong community, you're getting some victory and power and some actually true renewal of mind yeah. and heart things. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of land it for us today. You graduated, how'd you land in DC? How did you mm-hmm. take what God was doing and how did he lead you to DC and what you're doing today? Yeah. And then next podcast, I want everybody to just make a note right here. We're going to hear the stories of what God's doing in D.C. Uh, through Macau and his friends and all that God's doing. But but get us there. Yeah. So, so real briefly, just on, on yeah. how God relates to us and weakness, yeah. brokenness, etc. Um, as I, I was one day, I was reviewing my history with God and I was like, Lord, it took me two years plus from salvation to deliverance, healing encounter. And why is that? And I just felt the Lord speak to my heart. He said, Macau, because of the addiction and the brokenness you experienced, I had to teach you how to love yourself in pain before I could set you free. Wow. Otherwise you would have carried the self-hatred over wow. into other ways and other channels. But mm. but he wanted me to learn how to love myself despite yeah. consistently failing wow. before he could actually set me free because he was mm. doing more things than once. And that wasn't mm. the only thing he cared about. And mm. I think people always wonder in culture with homosexuality, like how do we sure. relate to it? Sure. There's just so many things that God cares about in our hearts yes. and it's just one piece of it. And yeah. And there's and so it was just so beautiful how that was my core. I thought that was my core thing. And right. It, it wasn't God's core thing. Yes. God's core thing was let's get rid of the self hatred and then, and then the freedom will be easy. Woo! So that was beautiful. I love it. And Come then on. going to DC, I, I graduated. I intended to go somewhere to the nations, um, with some open doors to do that. Sure. Um, they they were kind of delayed, so. I was living at home in Maryland with my with my mom, and I didn't intend to go to church because I wanted to be kind of um, locked into where I was headed, which would sure. be soon. So I was like, I don't want to kind of be distracted with a different community that I'm not really going to be a part of. But right. someone from I was at David's tent, which is a prayer worship tent on the on the National Mall in DC. Right. I was there. I met someone from Antioch who convinced me to attend one Sunday. Mm-hmm. I heard some testimonies, and I was like, Wow, these people are like. My people, yeah. You know, I've always just had this missional drive to sure. to see other people experience the love of God the way that I did, and so I was like, okay, I can at least come here in the interim, and I joined and I and I attended, and more and more, it just felt like a, a supernaturally accelerated knitting in to, yeah. to the family of God, and yeah. it got to the kind of end of 2019 here, and 
um, I needed to decide whether I was going to move to um, the nation I wanted to move to with an open door to do so and a work opportunity and ministry opportunities, et cetera, or stay in D.C. with no mm-hmm. real job prospects because I wasn't looking and, uh, mm-hmm. and no ideas for what that would look like. And um, it's kind of a very long story, but through countless signs and affirmations mm-hmm. and through the word and, um, and just spiritual experiences. And I, I felt like God was saying, Mikhail, you have to choose family mm-hmm. and Antioch is long-term family. Mm-hmm. And so I closed the door on, on going abroad <clears throat> at the end of 2019, decided to stay in DC, didn't know what I would do or what job I would find. Uh, and then ultimately ended up working in the job I am now, which is in um, which is in business development for an education research consulting firm. And I just feel like Antioch is, is long-term family and feel deeply about that. And it's been such a joy and a gift. And I'm, I'm so glad that I, I followed the path God had for me. One, because I get this family. And then two, practically, with COVID and everything, who knows whether I would have even been able yeah. to stay wow. <laughs> where I wanted yeah, to go. So. Right. <laughs> wow. In the wisdom of God. Right. Yeah, yeah. right? Well, I, I just maybe just a couple of wrap up thoughts. Um, I, I'm just so grateful for you, for your love for Jesus, the sincerity of your heart, kind of uh, for seeking first the kingdom of God. And, and I'll just say that, right, uh, and I'll, I'll say this on Macau's behalf uh, incredibly gifted guy. Anybody wants to come work for them, finding a job was not going to be an, a problem. <laughs> um, very successful in what you do. And, and in the business world, um, he's doing great, more than great, and he has incredible favor. Uh, how God's using you in your work, and um, and and I want to say though, even in your conversation, your heart, that that is a gift, and that's a place of service and contribution to the kingdom of God. It's not your identity. Yeah. So when you talk about what you love, you talk about your identity, mm-hmm. Jesus, family, yeah. community, the mission of God, rescuing people, and God uses me in this area of business development in a beautiful way, and you see the hand of God there as well. Mm. So I think a lot of times when we're talking about our identity and what we do, and especially in more educated circles or more opportunity circles, maybe that would be the way to say it, is we're always trying to justify ourselves by Mm -hmm. what we do instead of just making that a place where we serve. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Just real quick on that. I, I remember... I'll never forget the day I was I was walking the campus of Princeton. It's so beautiful if, if you ever get yeah. a chance to visit. It's amazing, and I was I was thinking about how much of a gift it is to be there and everything, but but how much my identity is in Jesus. And I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and He said, "Macal, Princeton is just a place yeah. that I've asked you to love me, and you could love me just as well at a community college if that's yes. where I asked you to be. Right. And in you know a trillion years in eternity." Yeah. No one's going to remember whether it was Princeton or the Community College. They'll just remember the reward you got in heaven Amen. for how you loved and served me. So that's, that really impacted me and has shaped my worldview about I wherever it. I am. Yes. Love it, love it, love it. All righty. Well, Jesus, we do pray that even these moments will be these revelations of how to get breakthrough, of encountering God, of, of family, yes. of, of right prioritization, of the the facilitation of our lives for your glory and finding our identity we just pray spirit of the living god anyone listening right now would you visit them by the holy spirit and may the things that Macau experienced may they experience them right now right now if you're wherever you are just open your hands to god and release again your vocation your location mm-hmm. your heart even your failures just Put them in the hands of Jesus. And right now, Lord, as people are opening their hands, would you touch their hearts? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Amen. Amen. We're wrapping this up. We'll see you guys next podcast. We're going to talk about what is God doing in D.C. Continue our conversation with Mikkel Walcott. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmycybert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time. Thank you.